KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have talked a lot on the podcast about the worker shortage we are seeing these days almost across the board. We wanted to dig into one field specifically that seems to be having a significant problem finding enough people. And it's an incredibly important field, especially given our current situation in a pandemic. Pharmacy. Pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. To talk about this, we caught up with Dr. Ed Foote. He is professor and dean, Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at the University of the Sciences. Really important conversation. Give a listen. So I want to start. Let's go back to January, February 2020, pre-pandemic. What was kind of the state of the of pharmacists in the country? Was it a, a job, a position, a profession that was in pretty good shape? Were there signs that there were going to be problems uh, as far as some of the shortages we're seeing now? Kind of where were we before the pandemic? So um, that's a great question. So it was, uh, it was in, I would say, pretty good shape. Um, like much of healthcare, I think there were some warnings, warning signs that were going on in the professional pharmacy, uh, in particular in the areas that I would call retail pharmacy, which is like the tra- chain drug stores and independent community pharmacies. Um, And one of the biggest problems um, facing pharmacy at that point was reimbursement issues for medication. So when a pharmacist sells you the medication, they have to pay for it. And so the hope is that they would get more money than they had to pay for it. And so that that differential, you know, kind of the profit margin over the years has been shrinking. And it's been really putting a lot of pressure on all areas of community, both independent retail pharmacies. Um, such that independent pharmacies were struggling financially. And then retail pharmacies, so the C, when I say retail, I mean CVS, Walgreens, things like that, um, they were cutting staff, essentially, because they, they didn't weren't making enough money. So um, like much of healthcare, it's not an easy job. And so I think uh, many pharmacists and pharmacy technicians in community and retail um, were struggling with the workload. Um, but I would not call it a crisis, Um you know, it was it was getting tough. It was getting tough, like much of healthcare. So fast forward today, mid-November 2021, how would you characterize it? Much tougher. It's much tougher. See, so what's happened in between pre-COVID, um, we seem there, there was not an issue with pharmacists, the availability of pharmacists to work in community and retail pharmacies. There was plenty of pharmacists, some would argue maybe even a, a few too many pharmacists that were available to kind of work in those areas. Um, all of our graduates would get jobs, but they had to work for them. And, and that's okay. But some people would suggest there are too many pharmacists. And technicians, probably enough, I would say. So what's happened Really, I, I've seen in the last six months, some of it is, much of it is anecdotal, uh, but I think it's strong anecdotal evidence is suddenly there's a shortage of workers. There's not enough pharmacists to staff pharmacies, and there's not enough technicians to staff pharmacies. And it has really, really become a problem in certain areas of the country, um, certain communities. So it's not, I can't say it's, it's throw, but it's, it's clearly something that's, that's happening right now. And before we go any further, just to give context for people, pharmacist, pharmacist, technician, kind of break down the difference. Sure. So the a pharmacist is a licensed health professional that, for instance, they go to school for at least six years, if not eight years of training. So it's a long time. It's a, And pharmacists now 
are trained at the doctoral level. So they are in what's called a PharmD. Many of them in, in community pharmacy go by their first name, but the reality is many of them hold a doctor of pharmacy degree. Uh, it's a long haul, often very expensive to, to go to pharmacy school. And when they come out, they are licensed to practice pharmacy, which include the distribution of medicines, consulting pharmacy, consulting patients and physicians about medication use, uh, monitoring patients. So they're, they're the primary health professional. The pharmacy technician is an extremely valuable uh, allied health professional. Uh, training for a pharmacy technician varies by state, but the minimum would be a high school diploma. Okay, no college degree is required. Uh, some states do require certification. Uh, Pennsylvania is not one of those. Um, so that you have to be a certified technician. Uh, but generally, it's an entry-level position, um, which has historically not been paid well. Pharmacists are paid quite well, so oftentimes in the six figures. Uh, that can vary on site. Um, a pharmacy technician could be $14 an hour. And they're, um, so, so those positions are very, very important to the pharmacy, uh, but oftentimes they're not well paid. Um, so you cannot have a pharmacy open without a licensed pharmacist in there. So many times when you go into a pharmacy, you are more, li the, more likely than not dealing with the technician who might be handing you the medication and say, do you have any questions? And if you said, yeah, I have a question about my medicine, they'd, probably, they'd likely say, well, let me get the pharmacist. And the pharmacist is really in the back, um, kind of working on filling the prescription, talking physicians, and kind of making sure that everything is going smoothly and the medications are being um, dispensed appropriately. So they are ultimately responsible for the, what happens in that pharmacy. On the broad scope, this worker shortage we're seeing across all sectors, as much as some politicians and some national media people would like it to be one thing so that they can have an easy story to tell, it is multiple things. And it depends on who you talk to and where you are and what the job is. Are we looking at kind of a cross-section of that here, where it is not necessarily pay, it's not just interactions with customers, it's not just how you're treated, it it's a lot of different things that are at work here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so pharmacy, you know, re remember that your pharmacist and the pharmacy is your most accessible source of healthcare. You can walk into a pharmacy, you don't pay a dime and you can say, can you, can you give me a suggestion for an over-the-counter medicine, right? The most accessible healthcare. So we are a healthcare provider, but many times the public sees us a little less like a healthcare provider, more like a retailer. You know, um, when you have a drive-through through your healthcare, you know, in a pharmacy, people start to think that it's it's less than a healthcare center and health, a source of information. So sometimes, uh, you know, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians aren't necessarily treated very well by patients uh, who are sick. Right? They're sick, and then they're waiting for their medicine, and they get impatient. And it's getting really, really busy here. Suddenly we have the COVID shots, the COVID testing, which we were not doing. And in many cases, the pharmacies were not able or willing to add additional staff, right? Because we, we talked about how they're not making a lot of money on medications. So pharmacies and pharmacists and pharmacy technicians are stretched. And so I, I anecdotally, I know some people my age, I'm in my mid-50s, and they they retired out of pharmacy. They just didn't want to do it anymore. Technicians can make as much flipping burgers. You know, and flipping burgers is really important, but I would argue that being a pharmacy technician has a hot, lot higher responsibility. And so we've, we've seen people leave for more money. Um, it is a stressful environment in, in community pharmacies these days. Um, and they just, some people just are, are having difficulty. 
One, one of the things I always tell my pharmacy students is that there's so much to do in pharmacy. So it's not just retail pharmacy. You could work in hospital. You could work in the pharmaceutical industry. You could do consulting. And I have a feeling that some pharmacists realized I can do other things. There's other things I can do with this pharmacy degree. And, and we're seeing that in the broader, I think, the broader economy as well, that people are just kind of reinventing themselves. Um, I had a conversation with a, a leader in, in retail pharmacy the other day, and we were just, it was almost like, where have all the pharmacists gone? You know, they're out there and I don't think they're collecting unemployment. I think they're working and they're just in very different areas and they're, they're finding new things to do. So it's very, it's very complex uh, and multifactorial. The pharmacist, the pharmacy technician, and you talk about not making a ton of money. I find that, well, I shouldn't say I find it amazing, but it seems like that is something that probably, was going to come to a head at a certain point. It just kind of maybe needed the kind of the event to happen that kind of put the the spotlight and made people kind of take that look like, why am I doing this for X amount an hour? Is this something that had been a concern, you know, beforehand that maybe this is something we should look at? We're losing good people because they can make more at Amazon. Like, you know, Absolutely. And a shout out to pharmacy technicians. You ask any pharmacist what makes or breaks them. It's the quality of their technician. No doubt about it. They're, yes, pharmacists are important, but we're a team. And if you have a great technician, um, it makes or breaks your day. And so, uh, and many of my colleagues and friends who, who practice in, in that environment, this retail environment, you know, this goes back many, many years. They're just amazed at how little technicians make. And they've always said it. Like, I don't even know, like, why they don't go elsewhere. And that was pre-COVID. Um, now, we are seeing that pharmacies are starting to pay their technicians more. They have to. There's no way. But they're still only probably getting competitive with the Amazons or the McDonald's of the world. They're not even paying more. And these are, health, in my mind, healthcare providers. So, and they have a very important role in patient safety. So those salaries are starting to come up. We're starting to see sign-on bonuses and things like that. Um, will it be enough? In some cases, it might be. In other cases, you know, some people still may say it's not enough to go work in a pharmacy. So let's kind of flip it now. Let's try to address this. Once again, as we said, it's not just one thing why we're seeing what we're seeing. But putting, you know, obviously, as you just mentioned, pharmacy is pharmacy technicians should make more money and that would be one one level here but what are some other things that could be done to make this uh, a more attractive for people at both levels at the pharmacist level and the pharmacy technician level kind of where would you start if you had the chance to i don't know reimagine this right um if money were not an issue, we can talk about why money is an issue in a minute, but if money were less of an issue, at least, we simply need to put more pharmacists and pharmacy technicians in these stores. There's just not enough people working. Um, and, and part of it is the companies feel they're not making enough money in the pharmacy to put more people in. But now we're also seeing that even if even if we want to hire people, people don't want to come. So it's, it's, it's this catch-22. We don't have enough people. And now people don't want to come because the working environment is getting more difficult, okay? And I'm making generalizations. There's certain some great pharmacies that are doing great. And, you know, so I'm making some general generalizations of that about the working conditions in pharmacies. So I'll say some pharmacies, right? Uh, but it's clearly it's clearly an issue. So I, we got to get more people in there, um, either, either technicians or pharmacists. 
the, the industry as a whole has, has used technology to help the pharmacists uh, do their work. You know, 20 years ago, we're able to safely dispense, I can't give you an exact number, I would say two or three times more prescriptions than we could two or three uh, decades ago, because most pharmacists are not counting by hand and we have automated fill machines and things. Like that. So we have technology to help us, uh, but that will only go so far. Right. Right now, we don't have robots talking to patients. Right. So um, so it's that three things, more staff, I think, uh, both the pharmacist and the, the um, um, technician getting technology even better. All right. That we can safely, safely, safely do our job. Um, but I think the core and this is a hard fix is the reimbursement model for medications and pharmacies. So there's something called pharmacy benefits man management. And what that is is essentially a middleman. So if you have a uh, if you have medication insurance, there's a third company that kind of handles that business. So they would essentially buy the the medications and and they handle the financial side of getting it to the pharmacy. And they're the ones that have um, have really clamped down on reimbursement to pharmacies. So pharmacists might sell a three hundred dollar medication and they make ten dollars on it, and or five dollars. You just can't, you can't run a business that way. And so until we really fix um, that model of how we are paying for those services, either for the medication themselves, or when a pharmacist does something beyond just dispensing medication, until we fix that, I, I think we're in a problem. We're really going to ha have a problem. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of work going on in the courts and in the legislature to somehow fix the reimbursement model, because many pharmacists and pharmacies will say they're just being they're being cheated out of a fair process in terms of how medications are reimbursed. And to that point, you you mentioned the the middleman. What was the the what is that? Who was called that? PB, PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, management companies. I've heard a little bit of discussion about them on the periphery and some discussions uh, and kind of some deep dives. I guess as a layman, I would just say, and it's a cliche, eliminate the middleman. I mean, I know it's not just that easy, but it would seem to me if that's kind of the black hole where things are going out of kilter, is it possible to, you know, if not eliminate, kind of minimize their their hand in it and their role in it and the, the, the money they take? So um, I'm not sure it's possible to totally eliminate that. I think when PBMs were developed, and this is not my area of expertise, kind of the what we call pharmacoeconomics or health economics is not really my expertise, but they certainly, I think, have a role in monitoring, you know, medications are very expensive, so they can monitor to make sure that a, 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 a physician writes a prescription, that it's the appropriate medication. It's, it's almost like a safeguard that we don't, don't automatically go to the most expensive medicine, um, that there's some, some gates in ter terms of how we are able to access certain medications in the country. Um, so I think that there's a role for that. But what's a couple of things have happened is so much of what PBMs do now is is um, is financially driven, right? They're 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 they're, they're for-profit companies. Some of them are embedded within chain pharmacies. And so it becomes this vert, what we call vertical integration where, where it's the, the PBM and the pharmacy are almost the same company. And so you as a, as a patient may actually be required to go to a certain pharmacy. Um, and so it, it, it limits some choice as well. And the PBMs, uh, you know, I'm not going to say how true or false this is because again, I'm not an expert, 
will say that that by limiting choice, by saying you can only go to this pharmacy, or for an HMO to say you can only go to that physician, that they're able to bring down those costs. Some people would argue that's also limits competition too. Um, so um, I, I think there's a role for PBMs. I think they're they're um, so, but I think there needs to be more control. And right now, there's something. Um, there's these fees, which essentially, um, it could be two months after a pharmacist has sold a medication, they will essentially, the PBM will essentially take back money from the pharmacy. It's it's uh, called DIR fees. Um, and it is probably the most, well, pharmacists would say it's the most unfair uh, process that PBM used to quote unquote um, reduce costs is where they, after this, the sales been made and they'll come back a month later and they'll come up with this, these metrics that, and they say, well, we're taking back, you know, $10,000 this month from what we paid you the month prior, you know? And so it's, it becomes really difficult for pharmacists to be able to plan and to budget. So very complex. So it's a very complex model, um, um, but it's, it's caused a real problem in healthcare and in pharmacies. You know, not just the PBM, but overall, are wheels turning to address this kind of on a macro level? Like, I, I guess, do the people in charge of pharmacies, do they get it? And you mentioned we're starting to see money come up and stuff like that. But overall, do you get the feel that, like, there's an understanding that we cannot continue business as usual? Um, I think we're getting there. Um, but, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, when I say the pharmaceutical industry, I don't mean companies that make the meds, but the whole industry of pharmaceuticals, from the pharmacists, pharmacies and pharmacists to PBMs to the drug companies, is very complex. It's a for-profit system, you know. So so everybody wants to, make, to, to uh, maximize revenues for their shareholders. Um, and I think I do believe that all these companies care about their patients, but they also have responsibility to the shareholders and how much profit they make. So um, it is coming to a head in some states. So some states are trying to limit what um, what this, these PBMs can do in terms of uh, structuring how they pay for medications or take or these what we call clawbacks. Um, so there is some movement. Uh, it's slow. There's a recent survey that looks at independent community pharmacies um, and their their struggles and why they, and that is the number one cause. That's our one number one worry is PBMs and, and a fair reimbursement for medications, and and that's true for for chains too because they get reimbursed too. So it's not just the independent pharmacies, but the chains have the same complaints that they're not getting fairly reimbursed, um, and so it's. It is a big, big problem. And I so I think it's become more evident that it's a problem, uh, but it's it's a hard fix. Um, it, it really means going to uh, the legislature, getting laws changed, putting regulations in. And as you know, that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And there's a lot of people that like the status quo. A lot of you know, the industry, parts of the industry really like the status quo. I have talked to a lot of people specifically in public health. And they talk about kind of the emergency they're having from a personnel standpoint, from burnout, from the way people are being treated, from a lot of it, just almost what they've seen. And they just don't want to deal with it anymore. On the flip side, though, they're encouraged because I talk to people deemed at schools at public health that we just had our biggest incoming class or 
our applications are at a level we've never seen before. So the the problem is resonating with the next generation that they want to help. I'm curious, are you seeing something similar with uh, people interested in becoming or pursuing a career in pharmacy because maybe not even hearing about shortages or stuff like that, but just this pandemic kind of brought front and center how important a job it is and the role you can play in people's lives. So unlike health professions and other health professions, so nursing is a good example where applications are up nationally, right? Pharmacy, actually, applications have been declining over the years, number of students wanting to go into pharmacy. Um, and we, we are seeing that again this year. Now, when you talk to individuals, they seem very excited about pharmacy and they, they understand the role of the pharmacist. Um, but we have not at least not seen that this year. So applications um, are, are down a bit again this year nationally when we look at national trends. So not seen in pharmacy yet. Uh, but that was a national trend for the last five years, 10 years, maybe. We've seen the numbers of students who wanted to go into pharmacy go down because it is a long haul. It's a long you know, six years, eight years is, is a long time to go to school. And when you start to hear about um, pharmacists who maybe are, are less satisfied than they used to be working in the retail um, and community pharmacy setting, it becomes um, harder to sell people on the profession. And a profession, by the way, which I think is wonderful. I mean, I would, I think it's a terrific opportunity for people to go into pharmacy. Um, but not everybody, you know, would agree with me. <laughs> That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.